And as we look towards the cross and we reckon and grapple with the harsh reality of death and of suffering, be comforted and know that Jesus walks with you. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Well, welcome again this cold April morning uh, here at First United Methodist Church. It's chilly this morning, a little unusual for us in early April. Uh, it's a joy to be with you on Palm Sunday. I hope that you're gathered with your family or you're gathered with someone you love or you're there in a comfortable place uh, where we can listen to God's word together. I had such a gift today uh, to have the bird boys read scripture for us and hope the words of Christ and the words of the story will resonate with you uh, throughout this last little bit of Lent here as we approach Holy Week. So just a little recap. I hope you had a chance to listen to Haley's sermon from last week on the subject of perseverance. It's a great segue into Holy Week because it is the perseverance of Jesus in Holy Week, in his life and in his suffering and in his death and resurrection that really give us the confidence we need to have the hope that is required to persevere. Hope is such a gift. It's a virtue. It's a gift from God. It's a miracle. And it's also something that is animated and that grows like a muscle, like all virtue does. And hope is really something that we need right now. And it is in short supply in many cases. And it's a real gift that God has given to his people uh, as we look to Jesus and as we look to his life. So uh, today, again, it's good to be with you as we focus on this great story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem Jesus, uh, this begins Holy Week, is Palm Sunday. As Jesus enters uh, Jerusalem, he comes from Bethpage, and and there's this great exchange where he tells the disciples specifically what he wants them to do, and there's going to be a donkey tied there with her colt. And really, when you think about this story, the word that comes to mind this week and the way that Jesus comes into Jerusalem is the word parody. Now, You've got a favorite parody. Everybody has a favorite parody. Maybe uh, you, lo- you have parody music that you like, like Weird Al and On Down the Line. You're probably thinking of a movie, maybe like Spaceballs or Airplane, uh, a recent movie perhaps. There are all kinds of YouTube videos out there with parodies of different things. And Jesus, in so many ways, as he rides into Jerusalem, just the way the Messiah was supposed to, But instead of being on a war horse, and instead of coming in with an army to wreck shop, he comes in on a donkey, humble and mounted on a colt, as it says. He's fulfilling the prophecy, but it's a great parody. It's like uh, when Shakespeare, one of his sonnets, and he wants to parody, he wants to shame the, the other love poets who are just writing these impossible, idealistic things about their beloveds, And he writes a parody to just highlight how ridiculous that is. He wants to give something familiar, but he wants to expose something. Jesus is giving us a familiar scene with a king, with a Messiah coming into town. But then he turns the whole thing on its head. So he gives us something familiar 
And then he just turns the thing around so that we'll see something completely different. And so we ask, when we look at that parody, why? Why did Jesus do it that way? Well, uh, one of the answers is given to us in the scriptures. And yes, it was the fulfillment of the prophecy in Zechariah and other places where there would be a humble king. There would be a king that was mounted on a donkey. And this king was no ordinary king, but this is the king in David's line who would come and save God's people. So there's this longing for salvation throughout the prophets, throughout the Psalms and all the songs that we sing together. Uh, and so that's one answer is that just to fulfill the prophecy, this is how it was going to go. But there's another piece of this where Jesus is saying yes to the Messiah that would come and save his people, but he's saying no to the way that we expected the way that I expect, the Wyatt Earp version where you come into town on the biggest and baddest horse that you can find and you bring the best army that you've got and you go straight to the temple and you wreck shop there, you turn things upside down and you just restore order that way. Jesus does come into town on a mission and he does go straight to the temple and he does turn things upside down and he begins to restore order and restore worship, but it's very different than we expect. Jesus is, you know, in the Old Testament, David, uh, and, you know, this, this longing for a, a new, a house for God, right? The temple that Solomon was able to build and this grand structure. And the whole idea was that there would be nothing like it in the known world. It would be the best that the world has to offer and by that scene, by that setting, the world would know of God's glory. They would know how great God is. It's a very different scene on Palm Sunday when Jesus, who is the new temple, he comes into town in such a humble way. In fact, there's conversations that happen during Holy Week where Jesus says, hey, uh, you see this temple, and if you tear the temple down, I will rebuild it in three days. He's identifying, he's saying, I'm, I'm the new temple and the worst that the world has to offer. You can destroy this temple, you can destroy uh, God's people, you can do all kinds of horrible things and acts of violence, you can do your worst and in three days I'll rebuild it. So Jesus comes in in this peaceful way in this orderly way, this very strong way, but it's just different than what we expected. He's the Messiah who would save us in a different way. And because Jesus identifies with us and he comes in through the way of suffering, he makes it possible for us to bear up under all the suffering that we endure in life. And you think about all the things that we have going on in the world today, and you think about the things that you have going on in your home and the things that are going on with our kids that they're facing, the things that our businesses and our friends are facing that are losing their jobs and things that are turned completely upside down. Jesus doesn't ignore that. He doesn't ignore the ordinary ways that we have to be in the world. And so he comes to us in that ordinary way and he lives this way and he suffers this way and he dies this way. It's really framed so well by that passage in Hebrews 12, 
where it begins the chapter saying, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, right? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. This is the one that we follow. He's the one that persevered so that we could persevere in a different way. And then verse three says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful people that we would not grow weary and lose heart. And the whole thing is couched for Jesus with joy. You know, it was for the joy set before him, says the writer of Hebrews, that he endured the cross, that he scorned its shame. It's couching joy just like the pilgrims were used to when they would come to Jerusalem for the major festivals. The whole thing was framed in joy. It was a joyful experience, the whole deal. It was the a highlight of their year. And so they come in with all the joy that can be imagined. And Jesus comes in in the same way, with joy. And he suffers and he dies for us because of the joy set before him, the joy of giving life to those around him, giving life to us and offering life eternal to the whole world. And so if we look back to the Psalms and we look at Psalm 118, we remember that this was a common song that they would sing, that the pilgrims would sing as they would come into town. And uh, in verse 25 of Psalm 118, we read, save us, we beseech you, O Lord, save us. We plead with you, give us success. And blessed is he is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And it's right in the middle of all these passages about this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So the pilgrim's journey is a joyful journey. And Jesus, uh, you know, as he comes in, the people begin to shout, you know, Hosanna, right? This is blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, Hosanna just means Lord save us. And so they're saying this about Jesus who's coming into town. This is what they said about the pilgrims that would come. Blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Say, okay, there you are with your family and you've come in to worship. Blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. And the whole thing's turned around again where now we're shouting that to Jesus who's become a lowly pilgrim. He comes into town and we're saying, blessed is the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus humbles himself. He's the joyful pilgrim that attains salvation for us in this joyful way by going about it in a way that we never expected. And I still want that war horse scene. I still want Jesus to come in and save us that way sometimes. And he refuses to play by those terms. Jesus knows exactly what his mission is. He knows exactly the way that he must accomplish that mission in order for us to live a certain way, uh, for him to uh, pave a path for us to live this Christian life together. And so it's, we just marvel at the joyful pilgrim Jesus who shows us the way this week. So I just invite you to observe Jesus' journey as he kind of completes this week that we call Holy Week, 
to dig in and, and watch and observe and listen and imagine yourself a pilgrim there. Imagine that you're following Jesus to the temple and that you're a part of those conversations because we are a part of those conversations. Everything that Jesus taught his disciples on Holy Week, he's teaching us now. And as we look towards the cross and we reckon and grapple with the harsh reality of death and of suffering, be comforted and know that Jesus walks with you, that he joyfully walks this way so that we don't have to walk alone. I want to wrap up the sermon today uh, by sharing a poem with you uh, that I wrote a couple of years ago on Palm Sunday. And I'm just trying to grapple with this whole scene, which is this parody. It's just crazy the way that Jesus is. And this idea that he gets a donkey that he has need of is the language that the text uses. And so I'll leave you with this poem uh, from a couple of years ago. Like I said, we did a baptism on Palm Sunday. And it was just a joyful occasion as we tried to live into this story. And so uh, here it goes. The cold water overwhelms you so that the flood of many waters will not overtake you. We watch and listen as one chapter ends and another begins. Goodbye to self-doubt and dislocation. Hosanna in the highest heaven, where we exchange quotations. A Lord save us for a you are my beloved daughter with whom I am well pleased. Blessed is she who comes in the name of the Lord, meeting the pilgrim of all pilgrims at the inauguration of his passion. The blessed one upon his borrowed Jenny at the stubborn pace of salvation. Prior hopes and dreams are not so much forgotten or destroyed, but transplanted to their native soil. Here they grow where the clouds give rain in due season. Your life is now hidden where the soil welcomes each root and each gasp for health and peace and a place to belong. Though the Lord of baptism had a good set of legs and armies of angels at his command. He had need of that animal to accomplish his work. And in the same way, he has need of you. Go forth in joy and grow where you're planted. Amen.